We are in the second week of a sermon series called Finding Margins. Our lives are busy and fast-paced, but life always is better with some room to breathe, with some margin. We're taking time for some Sundays in September to explore what this means, to find some open space in our lives so that our lives aren't just full, but actually fulfilling. Last week, I shared about my garage and how it's so full of stuff. And by the way, I had a few of you come up to me during the week and say, hey, I appreciated your message last Sunday. You inspired me to go and clean out my garage. (laughs) That wasn't exactly the point of the sermon, but I'm glad that you did some work on your garage. It's really about finding more space in our lives. And what I have in mind particularly is more emotional space, more financial space, more time in the week for the things that make life rich and fulfilling. You know, if our lives are too full, we begin to suffer. The stress level goes up, and the more we feel a prisoner rather than truly free. We all need to have some open space in our schedules, in our relationships, and in our finances so that we can enjoy life rather than be overwhelmed by it. Now, by the way, next week we're going to spend a little time talking about finding margin and space in our finances. How can we have more breathing room when it comes to how we spend our money? And just as an incentive to come to church next Sunday, we will be handing out $1,000 for the first 50 people to come for each service. Not really, I just wanted to see if you were listening. Today we are talking about how we are spending our time. We're all busy, aren't we? Students in school, adults in careers, stay-at-home moms and dads, folks in retirement, families with young children, with teenagers, with elderly parents, single people. All of us are busy. Our lives are packed full of things that we feel we just have to do. So I want us to take a little time today to consider what we do with our time, what factors guide us as we live out our days and months and years, and here... I think a good place to go is to the Bible. We're going to look at Psalm 90, and this psalm is attributed to Moses, most likely written near the end of his life, reflecting back on his walk with God. Moses, we're told, lived to the rich age of 120 years. Moses packed quite a bit into those 120 years, raised in the home of Pharaoh, exiled, While he was caring for the sheep that belonged to his father-in-law, he heard God's voice call to him from out of a burning bush. And he listened to that voice, and he was sent by God to lead the Hebrew children out of slavery, and he led those people for 40 years in the desert wilderness. It's out of this long and very full life that Moses wrote this song. It is a prayer to God, reflecting upon where he's been, and what God has been offering to him. Moses, in his advanced age, looked back on all his experience and all the things that he'd been through, and the psalm reflects his wisdom and faith from that experience. Now, I'm going to read through this psalm with you, and you might want to read along in your Bible or use one of the pew Bibles or the the hymnal we just used a few moments ago, because I want to look at some of the particular language that Moses uses in this psalm. So Psalm 90 starts off, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were, were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. 
Moses is saying God encompasses all of time. All of humanity and even all of creation have their origin in God. Human life has its boundaries of birth and death, but God's life is not bounded in this way. God is from everlasting to everlasting. Go back in time as far as you can go, and God is there. Go forward in time as far as you might imagine, and guess what? God is there as well. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Human life, even though it may last for decades or even a century or more, like it did for Moses, is by comparison altogether brief. We live our lives and then we return to dust. And so in verse 3 and 4, Moses says, You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. When we sing the hymn, O God, our help in ages past, as we did earlier today, we are quoting the words from this psalm. When we're young, you know, a summer seems to last forever. Second grade seems to last forever. The time between now and Christmas seems to go on forever. And the time that you wait for the preacher to get done with what he's going to say seems like it's forever. But when you've lived a little while, time doesn't seem to go on so long, does it? The years fly by quicker and quicker. So must it be even for God, so that a thousand years seem to be to God like but a single day or like a watch in the night, which is like three or four hours. Verse 4, a thousand years in your sight are like the day that has just gone by or like the watch in the night. And human life is like fresh summer grass that springs up quickly and all too soon withers and dies away. Verse 5 says, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. And verse 6, in the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Moses is pondering the brevity of life here. Life, it seems to go, life all seems to go by too quickly. And as he considers how quickly life goes by, he longs to understand what to make of it all. There is in the verses that follow a foreboding sense that all our years seem to be lived out under the context of God's judgment and wrath. Verse 7, 8, and 9, We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before us, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Moses is saying all of life seems to be lived in the context of God's awareness of our sin. We can't hide anything from God. There's no use even trying. God knows it all already. And God's holiness will not allow sin and brokenness to go unnoticed. So it seems that what life we have is fraught with peril and judgment, and it comes to an end all too soon. Verse 10 says, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if your strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fade away. Now, friends, there's a happy thought for a birthday card, don't you think? Wouldn't it be great to put a Hallmark card together Based on this verse, here it's your 70th birthday, and you get a card that reads, Happy Birthday, and there's a picture of a cake on the front of the card. Then you open it up, and it has a quotation from Psalm 90, verse 10. All our days, come, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if your strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, 
for they quickly pass and fade away. Happy birthday, love, Edna. I don't think that'd be a very popular card and not one that would be very fun to get either. You know, when you're young, you think you're going to live forever. You don't stop to think much about what tomorrow or years or decades to come might be because you feel you have all the time in the world. With the passing of years, however, we begin to recognize that maybe that's not quite the case. But we still hold out the idea that we'll have time for the things we truly hope to do. But in the end, we all come to the realization that we simply can't squeeze it all in. There simply isn't enough time. Our time is a limited resource, and we only have so much. Moses shares with the reader here the wisdom that comes from a long and full life, a life spent walking with God. Moses contemplates the fleeting nature of human life. He points us to recognize the brevity of our days. And when we do, it greatly impacts how we choose to live our lives. The key to the whole psalm, this whole prayer that Moses offers, is found then in verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He's saying here, Lord, teach us to act as if our days are numbered so that we may gain the heart of wisdom. Through much of life, we live as if our days are not numbered. We act as if we could have it all. We squeeze in this and that and think that we never have to choose. We never have to take anything off the list. We think that we have as much time as we need. And Moses reminds us that to live in this way is to make a huge mistake. You and I need to learn to number our days, which means we need to learn to live as if our days are truly numbered. The secret of wisdom is to recognize our limits and thereby make the most of the days we have. I suspect that most of you at some point or another have learned how to number your days. You may not have wanted to, but at least for a certain portion of life, you know what it is to number your days. For example, as a student, when you get an assignment, you know when the assignment is due. And most of us would do a calculation in our head of just what it is that we, how many days we might have to get that assignment due. When you only have a limited number of days between now and when the assignment is due, your days are, in fact, numbered. And if you're wise, you'll use those days accordingly. If you're married, I'm pretty sure you know what it is to number your days. As you got ready for the wedding day, you or your partner kept a careful eye on the number of days to go and the list of things that needed to get done by that day. Ask an engaged couple, how many days until the big day? And they will probably be able to tell you they know their days are numbered. If you're retired, I'll bet there was a time in those last few months when you were carefully numbering your remaining days at work. How many days left till retirement? 37? 125? 752? Whatever that might be. You learned to count down the days because you knew a major change would be ahead of you as you reached retirement. You organized your time according to the days that you had until the very last day. You lived your days at work as though they were numbered. I think any time you and I have faced an important deadline, we know what it means to number our days and to live accordingly. We know we only have a finite number of days in a particular condition and we organize our life accordingly. So Moses is asking us here in this passage, what if we lived our whole lives in this way? What if we lived with the recognition 
that we only have so much time and no more. No reservoir from which we could draw extra years to accomplish everything that we want to accomplish. What if we were to live knowing that our days were in fact numbered? Now, this isn't meant to be a downer. It's not meant to depress us or lead us to despair. In fact, it's intended to do just the opposite. Realizing that our time here is short can lead us to use what time we have more wisely. If we live with the awareness that our days are numbered, then each of us will learn to make every day count. Teach us to number our days. Why? So that we might receive the heart of wisdom. When you come to understand just how brief life is, especially in comparison with God's eternity, then we gain wisdom. Wisdom to know how best to use life instead of wasting it. Wisdom to know what makes life fulfilling instead of just full. Wisdom so that we can appreciate each day that God gives us as a precious gift from God and to be able to say no to those things that would diminish it. Let me tell you about Bronnie Ware. Bronnie Ware is a nurse that works with hospice patients in Australia. For years, she spent most of her time with women and men in the very last weeks of their life. She cared for people who were diagnosed with advanced terminal illness and were under hospice care. She stayed with them all the way through the end, even through death itself in many cases. And in caring for these people, she began to ask them some questions. And she kept hearing the same things over and over again, so she wrote those things down. She wrote an article a few years back that was widely read on the internet and has since become a book. It's called Five Regrets of the Dying. You can find the article online or find the book to read on your own. And it's actually a pretty good book and a good read. But this morning I wanna share with you just some of the wisdom that Bronnie Ware gained from knowing these many persons who are counting down their last days. The people she talked with knew their days were numbered. They knew that they were at the very end, and so they looked back on the rest of their lives with this perspective. And so we, as we read those thoughts of others, might gain some wisdom from their experience. Now I want to share the top two regrets that people shared the most with her time and time again. The second one most common, the second most common regret on her list might surprise us because you just might think it would be the most common one, but it's the second most common. That is, people time and time again said, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. We've probably heard this before, but listen to what Bronnie Ware writes about this comment. This came from every male patient that I nursed. They missed their children's youth and their par- partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret, but as most were from an older generation, many of the female patients had not been breadwinners. All of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of work existence. Well, what does that mean? It means that if we don't learn to number our days and make wise decisions about how we spend our time, we can look back at the end of life with regret, a regret that maybe we could have prevented from ever becoming a regret in the first place. We could have made different choices. So right now, starting today, you can make decisions about what you want to do most with your time. The decisions you make today mean that you don't have to look back years from now with regrets for those days that were wasted by working too hard. 
You think you have all the time in the world with your kids. You think you have all the time in the world with your spouse and all the time in the world to do this and that and the other thing. And suddenly you might find that you don't have all that much time after all. And there's no way you can go back and get the time you had along the way. You know, you only get to be 20 once. You only get to be 30 once. You only get to be 40 once. You only get to be 50 once. No matter what decade you reach in life, you only get to reach it but once. And you can't go back and do those years over again. The best thing is to get it right the first time around instead of be filled with regret later on. These men and women who spoke to Bronnie Weir had been told by their doctors their days were numbered. Suddenly they were confronted with a perspective that came with the news that they didn't have much time left ahead. And then they looked back at their lives in the light of that realization. For them, wisdom came when it was too late for them to use that wisdom themselves. However, that wisdom is available to us. We get to decide what we might do with it. Well, let me share with you the number one regret that men and women also shared. The most common regret that came up more than anything else was this. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Let me just say that again. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And here's what Ronnie writes about this. This was the most common regret of all. When people realize that their life is often, is almost over and they look back clearly on it, it's easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. Most people had not honored even half of their dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to the choices they had made or not made along the way. From the moment that you lose your health, it's too late. Health brings a freedom that few realize until they no longer have it. Friends, by sharing these words with you, you have received wisdom that took many people a lifetime to find on their own. But here it is, available for you, boiled down to its very essence. You get the benefit while you still have time to put that wisdom to use. So how might this change the way you live your life today? How might this change the way you look at your schedule, your pace, the things that fill up your day? Our time is limited. When we learn to number our days, we can receive a heart of wisdom and begin to move in ways that means we're more in control of our calendars than the other way around. Let us pray. Lord, give us the heart of wisdom. Give us clarity about what it is that truly matters. Give us courage to make good choices about how we spend our days. Surround us with people that help us make the changes we need to make. Help us find open space and breathing room as we walk with you each day. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.